0: It was many years ago when those in Europe had trade with Asia, and they had trade routes to and from Asia. But it was very arduous, very difficult. It took a long time, a lot of effort, and a lot of money. And they wondered, could there be a route to Asia going in the opposite direction? Instead of from Europe heading east to go to Asia, What would happen if we headed west? And so Christopher Columbus and many others with three ships set sail on August 3rd, 1492 in a hopes of finding Asia. But man, he only discovered the Americas. Man, what a surprise. They set sail and for two full months, the only thing they saw was water. There was no land at all, there, were, there was no activity that would let them think that they were even close to land. And of course, during that time, there's doubts, there's wonder, there's are we gonna survive? Are we gonna reach our destination? What is going to happen? All of those things erupted in their minds. And there was someone who wrote a, a quick little poem about that, it's just a real brief. It said, they sailed and sailed as winds might blow, until at last the blanched mate said, why now not even God would know, should I and all my men fall dead? These very winds forget their way, even God from these dread seas is gone. Now speak, brave admiral, speak and say. And the admiral said, sail on, sail on, and on. In other words, we're gonna keep going we're not going to stop, we're not going to turn around, we are going to keep going. But they made a pact that they would give it three more days. And on that third day is when for the first time they saw any evidence of land, but it wasn't land that they saw, it was a bird that came and lit on the mast of the ship. And in the sea, they began to see branches floating that had berries on them. And they began to know from that point forward, we are closer to land than we can realize. Though we can't see it, we're close. There are times in our lives when we are going on a journey and we're on our destiny. We're we're going toward that destiny. And yet it seems like we've been on the destiny for a long time. We've been on the path for a long time to that destiny And it seems like, will we ever get there? Should we go left, right, forward, backwards? What is the best course of action? We think about self-preservation. We think about the protecting of ourselves, which is a good thought. And yet, to reach our destination, we've gotta overcome that fear of self-preservation. We've gotta overcome that fear of someone not thinking well of us, and sail on, sail on, and sail on. Destiny that God has for you is revealed to you from His Word, by His Spirit. He can reveal it in dreams. He can reveal it through words of knowledge, words of wisdom, through words of prophecy. He can reveal it just down into your inner heart where He speaks to you to let you know, this is the direction I have for you. This is what I want you to do. And yet along that way to our destiny, there are momentary interruptions. There are situations that we come across that we find ourselves in a situation where it feels like we're not going toward our destiny. It feels like we've deviated. We've gone left or gone right, not by our choice, not because we intentionally did so, and yet we feel as though we're on a detour. We were on the course, we were going for it, and yet now it feels like we're off. We're on a detour. Though we didn't cause it, we wonder what's really happening. Detours are not absent from God's plan. The detour that you have been on, are on, or will be on, are God's design in your life. Because there's some things that He wants to do inside of you before you reach your destiny. Detours are devastation, devastation, but only from our perspective. God does not look at detours as devastating at all. Detours are delays. It seems like the the shortest distance between two points is what? It's a straight line. And we think God's called me to do that or be there. And we think we're just going in a straight line. But the detour is a delay, again, from our perspective. But detours are deceptively good. Detours are deceptively good. They're good because God is trying to do something in our lives. And here's the truth that we've got to hold on to. God will not bring you into your destiny until you can handle it. There's some things he's got to do in you so that then he can do some things through you. And it's the detour that that is difficult, and yet God says there's a purpose and a reason for it. But while we're in the detour, God gives us grace. Have any of you ever been in a detour in your life? Yes. How many of you think, you know, I think right now I might be in a detour, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) If If you haven't been in a detour, if you're not in a detour, I would just encourage you, get ready. Because there's going to be one. But God is at work in the detour because he's at work in you. And if you're on a detour, God is at work in you. So he's working in the process of the detour. But God gives grace to us while we're in that detour because he is testing your faith. It's a matter of testing of your faith to say, do you really believe this? Are you really trusting me? Are you going to be like some who have given up and who have turned back? He's testing your faith. He's also testing your focus. You were focused on the destiny, you were focused on the calling, and now there's difficulty, and now you're wondering, are you gonna lose your focus? See, the temptation during a detour is to turn our focus away from God and what He has planned for us and to turn it back on ourselves. That's when we begin to say, oh, poor, poor, pitiful me. I don't deserve this. I deserve better. I am better. I can't believe this is happening to me. I don't care if it's happening to you. This is happening to me. That's kind of the difference between major surgery and minor surgery, right? You know the difference. Right? Okay, I'll tell you. When surgery is on you, it's minor. When it's on me, it's major. There's the difference. So we tend to lose focus if we're not careful. We turn, to, turn the focus toward us or we turn the focus onto the world around us. Well, I need to be more like the world because obviously they don't have detours. I've been looking at their Facebook posts. It's like they live at the beach or the mountains all the time. It's all wonderful and great. Their lives are fabulous. They have no detours. So I need to be more like the world. My suggestion is get rid of Facebook, but I, that's a personal. <laughs> But instead, our focus needs to stay on God. On God. Because He is the one who's leading you by His grace, step by step, day by day, year after year, to your destiny. And so our focus stays on God. But He's going to test our focus. He's also going to test your forward progress. The shame of a detour is when people stop. The shame of a detour is when we're we're aiming and we're going, but we find ourselves kind of over here. We don't want to be over here because it's uncomfortable over here, and people begin to park, and they begin to camp, and they begin to stay, and they begin to have a detour mentality to stay in the detour, and instead God says, keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. We cannot have the attitude, well, if God brought me over here, when he puts me back on my course, I'll get moving again you'll never get back on your course unless you keep moving so he's testing our forward progress there was a guy in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis named Joseph and Joseph understood detours because he went through some if you remember Joseph was 17 years old he was the youngest son and the favorite son and God gave him a dream God gave him a couple of dreams and those dreams were of imagery and the image was that All of Joseph's older brothers would bow down to him, literally like on their knees, bowing down to him. So, Joseph is 17. He tells his brothers the dream. You know, he's 17. Well, the brothers were just so excited about that. Oh, we can't wait for that day. (laughs) Not, his brothers are very upset. Well, then he has another dream that even the moon and the stars bow down to him, against which was imagery. And he tells his father that dream. And his father rebuked him. His father said, really? Like, like me and your mother are gonna come bow down to you? Really? And so there was, there was a tension there, you can imagine, right? So, what happens? Joseph's brothers become very, very upset. Genesis 37, 26, and 27 say this, Judah, one of Joseph's brothers, said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother Joseph and cover up his blood? That's was their plan. They were just going to kill him. They were like, okay, let's see what happens to your dream. We're going to kill you. Then he says, well, is it really going to profit us? There's an old saying, follow the money. It's a good thing this Year of election, follow the money. That was just free. I just put that out there for you. Verse 27 said, Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother. (laughs) We want to treat him right. He's our own flesh and blood. And all his brothers agreed. They had thrown him down into a well, a dry well. They were going to kill him. They decided, there's no profit in that, let's make some money off him. So they sell him to a band of travelers, Ishmaelites, and they sell him into slavery. So now Joseph goes from being the youngest favorite son of a very wealthy man to now he is a slave. And you know, whenever we go through detours, we are tempted to blame our problems on three different people. Him, her, and them. It really doesn't matter who it is. He did this. He did that. He said that. She did this. She did. They. It's the government's fault. The school's fault. My neighborhood's fault. My boss's fault. The company's fault. The board of directors' fault. It's the bank's fault. Everybody's fault, but mine. But I wonder if God is not up in heaven saying, "No, no, no. Actually, I did that. <laughs> it was me. I've got a plan. I'm, I'm working my plan." And so you don't have to blame it on him or her or them. Look to me. I'll take responsibility for the detour because I've got something I want to do in you because what I want to do through you is so fantastic. I've got to do some work in you. What I'm going to do through you, what is going to happen through your life, what is going to happen as the result of you being faithful is so spectacular. I've got to do some work in you. It's kind of like raising kids again that was just free i just threw that out there for you we got to do some work in our kids so that they can become adults isn't that the job of parenting right i'm giving so many freebies today i just just throwing them out there god sees detours as a proving ground it is a time where he tests us to prove what is in us and what he's developing inside of us and all the while he gives us grace While we're going through detours Romans chapter 5 verses 3 through 5 Paul says it this way he says not only so but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance another word for that is patience and patience develops character and character develops hope and hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Paul is writing to the Romans under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he says, I I, I want you to know there's some suffering. There are some people that don't like Christ and don't like you because you're a Christian. There's suffering. You're going to to deal with things that are not comfortable, but we should glory. We We should not expect not to suffer. We should expect to suffer. And we shouldn't be so upset about it. It shouldn't yank us out of frame. We we need to just understand, I can get through this, it's going to be okay. God is going to receive glory in it, and what he's doing in us is producing patience, which then produces character, and character produces hope. Character produces hope. God's grace is working in us through our sufferings. And we see this evidenced in Joseph's life. God gave him so much grace during these times of suffering because Joseph decided to be the best he could be with the limitations that God had given him. He said, you know what? I'm not back home. I'm not where I used to be. I don't have my my special coat that was made just for me to show my father's honor over my life. I don't have any of that anymore, but I'm going to be the best I can where I am with the limitations that I have. Well, that's a good attitude, isn't it? That is a great attitude. Isn't that the attitude that you want all of your 11-year-olds to have in your house? <laughs> be the best you can where you're at with what you have. And That's what Joseph did. He said, I'm gonna be the best I can. God gives grace. So you will become the very best you can with the limitations that you've been given. You say, Well, I I can't do much because I have physical limitations or financial limitations or mental limitations or friendship limitations or emotional limitations. We can talk about all of the, the limitations that we have, and yet God's grace is working in us so that we become the best we can with the limitations that we've been given. There's not a person on the planet that does not have limitations. Not one. We're all imperfect. We're all fallen. We've all sinned. We all have limitations. And yet, we're supposed to be the best we can be with whatever we've been given in the moment that we have. And so God's grace pours out into our life so that we can do that. That's what we see in Joseph. God's grace was just given to Joseph in a great measure. And that's what he does for us too. You might find yourself, I I was on the course, but I find myself over here. I was in a detour several years ago. I was on path, I was on the course, and I got detoured. And I spent some time blaming it on him, her, and them. And I can share with you from personal experience, it doesn't work, don't do it. I found myself in the middle of my detour, hanging upside down with my my legs wedged in between two rungs of a ladder and about three feet off the ground. My head was three feet off the ground, I was hanging upside down from a ladder. Paint was all over the wall and all over the hardwood floors. Not in my house. Oh, if it had been my house. But it was somebody paying me to do that. No, well, not to do that. Yeah. What a fun day that was. Detours, we find ourselves in difficult positions and yet all the while, God is working his grace in us. He's working his grace. Right now, I want you to know God is giving you grace. You might might be way over here in a detour. You might say, man, I cannot even understand how this is gonna work. And God says, I know how it's gonna work. Just keep moving, keep having faith, stay focused. I'm working my grace in your life. God gives grace so you'll remain with his vision when your world seems to be shrinking. You will keep the vision that he gave you, the calling he gave you, the ministry he pointed you to, the blessings that he promised you. You'll stay focused even though your world is shrinking. Think about Joseph. Favorite son, youngest son of a very, very wealthy man. Joseph had no needs, no wants, It was was all provided. And in one day, he went from having all of that to being a slave. His world just shrunk in one day. All of a sudden, now he's a slave. He cannot go where he wants to go. He cannot say what he wants to say. He has to do what he's told. And he better do it good and right and now. But you know what Joseph decided to do? Well, I'm going to be the best slave I can be. And you know what happened? His master made him the slave above all slaves. He was the leader of all the other slaves because Joseph said, I'm going to be the best slave I can be. Did he want to be a slave? Of course not. But he said, I'm going to be the best one I can. You know what happened next? Dare I blame this on God? God said, I shrunk your world from this to this, but we're not done yet. Then in one day, Joseph's world shrunk to the size of a prison. His master's wife lied about him, and they took him to prison. And now he can't go to the market, he can't run errands, he's in a prison. You ever felt like your world shrunk? It's kind of felt that way the last few months, hasn't it? Some just feel like, what, what, what uh, I need people. I need, I need to get out. And our world shrinks and God is saying, I'm, I'm doing something. Don't blame it on him, her, or them. I'm doing something. I'm doing a work in your life. Because when I bring you into your destiny, you need to be prepared. And so he's preparing us. But he gives us grace in that moment so that we'll maintain the vision. He gives us grace so we continue to fight the temptation to lose our joy and our peace and our love and our family and our ministry and our forgiveness. It's in those times of detours when we begin to to want to shrink back into being an unforgiving person instead of a forgiving person, to be a quarrelsome person instead of being a gracious person. To hold grudges against someone who did something that we didn't like. It's during that detours that we are tempted to do that, but God gives us grace so that we don't yield to those temptations. You ever been in a position where you just go, I, I can't believe I'm still battling this temptation. I can't believe I'm still having to ask God for help in this. I'm just to share a word with you. Temptation is eternal. That, that's not the. Temptation will be around as long as you are on this planet, in this body. That's a better way of saying it. Temptation is going to hit us. Your whole life, you're going to be tempted. But here's the key. Are you fighting? Are you fighting against that temptation to give up? Are you fighting against that temptation to to yield over your joy and, and to go into despair? Then keep fighting. Don't ever give up that fight. Fight that temptation to maintain your joy, fight for that temptation that's trying to steal your peace and declare yourself, I will live in peace in the name of Jesus Christ. I will not live with the turmoil and the anxiety, unwanted, unnecessary anxiety that this world has. This world is frustrated and confused and doesn't know which way to turn, but I am a child of God and I will not surrender my peace no matter what. And we continue to fight that and it's God's grace in us that helps us to continue to fight, to not give up that joy and that family, that ministry and that forgiveness. We're not going to become angry and fight one another, we're going to love one another. We're not gonna be all upset and agitated, we're gonna let the peace of God rule and reign in our lives. And even when we don't even know what to do or even how to pray because everything's so topsy-turvy, Paul again writing to the Romans in chapter 8 verse 26 he said when we don't know what to pray the Holy Spirit prays in us and through us with with unutterable groanings with with things we don't even understand it we don't even have the words for it but the Holy Spirit is praying through us with a groaning that we can't even verbalize therefore we know we have that power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives and we will not be overcome amen (laughs) Joseph was a slave, and then he was a prisoner. But if you know the story, in one day, Joseph went from the prison to the palace. In just one day, his world seemed to change in just a one-day situation. He went from free to slave in one day, from slave to prison in one day, but he went from the prison to the palace in one day. He was the overnight sensation that took 13 years. (laughs) It was 13 years of God going, I'm going to mess you up a little bit because I got to remold you and reshape you. You've been born once, but I'm going to cause a, a rebirth within you that you'll be more like me and not more like your brothers. Not more like the world that you are in. You need to represent my character. And so in one day, he goes from the prison to the palace. See, he was, interpreted a dream that Pharaoh had. And when he stood before Pharaoh, he interpreted the dream perfectly. And Pharaoh looked at him and said, you know, I need you. I need you. You know, there's going to be a day when you remain faithful to God. And he says, you know, God, somebody's going to say, you know, I need you. I, I, I need you on my board of directors. I, I need you in my office. I need you on my team. And they're going to look at you and they say, I need you because you're valuable. You're not like everyone else. You don't just go to work to show up to get a paycheck. You actually put your heart into it. You see, while Joseph was a slave, he became the best slave. He was the leader of all the slaves. While Joseph was in prison, he became the best prisoner and was the leader of all the other prisoners. I imagine that maybe the the warden of the prison uh, said, hey, Joseph, listen, you, you seem like a pretty sharp guy. I'm going to put you in charge of cell block A. I need you to kind of get these guys organized and take care of them, okay? Maybe a couple months pass by, and all of a sudden, the warden looks around and says, you know, cell block A, I never have any problems out of those guys. Now, cell block B and C, that's a mess. Cell block A is pretty good. Joseph, come here, man. man I appreciate what you're doing. I don't have any problems out of cell block A. Well, you're welcome. Well, go back and do a good job, okay? Well, Warden, um, you think I could maybe do the same in cell block B? Well, maybe you could. Let me give it a try. So maybe he's over cell block A and over cell block B. All of a sudden, cell block C is the only one with the problems. Hey, Joseph, think you could do the same thing in cell block C? You see where I'm going, right? It's like God says, if you're faithful in the little things, I'll make you ruler over much. If you can handle a little, you can handle much. If you can't handle a little, you won't be able to handle much. And Joseph proved himself faithful. And all of a sudden, he he hears Pharaoh look at him and say, I need you. So he went from the prison to the palace in one day. But the dream, the vision that God gave him is still not fulfilled. Because his brothers have not come and bowed down to him it's still not fulfilled and that's very important for what we're going to talk about next and wrap this thing up see when we are faithful in the little things God makes us ruler over much when we can handle little stuff God says now you can handle big stuff and that's the reality that Joseph was facing but he still had not had the dream the vision fulfilled But there was an indicator that let everybody know, and maybe specifically Joseph more than anyone else, that he had passed the test of being a slave and a prisoner and that he was ready to handle more. Yes, he was second to Pharaoh, that's pretty big. But there was this benchmark. See, how do you know when you've passed the test? How do you know when the detour's over? How do you know, yeah, God, you worked that for, for good, but I can see the detours behind me now? Because sometimes we get confused and we're not even sure, am I still in the detour or am I not? No, 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 there needs to be a benchmark where you know, I know that detour is over, and I don't have to live there anymore. This is what happened in Joseph's life. It's recorded there in Genesis 41, 50 through 52. Before the years of famine came, in other words, before his brothers came to bow down for him, that's very important, before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by Asenath, daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, it is because God made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. He says, my firstborn son, I'm going to name him in such a way that every time I see him, every time I call his name, every time there's a reference to him, it is going to be a reminder what God has done in my life. He's caused me to be able to forget all the junk. He said, I'm I'm establishing it. As for me and my house, I'm going to serve God. As for me and my house, I'm not going to live in a detour one day longer than I have have to. As for me and my house, we're going to serve God. And he said, every day, every moment I call my son, it's going to be a reminder. God helped me to forget. But then verse 52, the second son was named Ephraim and said, it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. The Lord's caused me to forget and the Lord's called me to be fruitful. Can I share with you that those two are connected? As long as you're living with regrets and as long as you're living in suffering and as long as you're living with, with bitterness toward what happened in your life, you're not going to be as fruitful as you could. But when you're able to say, you know, I went through some tough stuff and I went through some hard times, but God was faithful and I have forgotten all the bad stuff and I'm just gleaning the good stuff, then you become as fruitful as God has determined for you to be. And that's the call for us today. You might be right in the middle of a detour today. I want you to know a couple of things. God's grace is working in your life. On some days you might feel it, and on many days you might not, God's grace is working in your life because he wants you to stay focused. He wants you to continue on the path. Don't give up. There will come a benchmark. There will come a time period in your life when you will say this, I'm establishing as my boundary markers this is my property line if you will this is where I live this is where I am and where I am we're going to serve God we are not going to be distracted with all the other stuff we're gonna serve God whatever happens on the other side of the line that's not my circus therefore those are not my monkeys but right here we're gonna serve God how many of you today are saying you know what I need to see, feel, know the grace of God is working in my life during this detour. Or maybe some of you need to look back and go, you know what, God's grace was working in my life. I'm not gonna live with the bitterness of the past. I'm gonna live with the grace in the moment. Let's have a time of God ministering to us right now, his grace, because that's what gets us through the detours. That's what causes us to flourish and thrive in the detour. Some of you are here today and some are watching uh, through Facebook and say, you know what? I feel like I'm on a detour. I I was going in a direction and now I'm, I'm over here, I'm over there. Allow God's grace to work in your life. Allow God's grace to speak to you His love and His compassion. Yeah, you're in a tough spot, but His grace will get you through it. And it could be that this very detour that you're on is the very detour that you're on so that you'll meet Christ as your personal Savior not a religion, not some movement, but a personal God that has a relationship with you. You're on a detour because you need to meet Christ. Will you pray to him right now and say, God, I need to follow you with all of my heart. Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and cause me, Lord, to keep moving toward you. Help me to know the vision that you have for my life and to keep moving toward you. Because, Father, I need to know my sins are forgiven thank you for forgiving me in Jesus name that's available to every person here today Jesus Christ will forgive you of your sin maybe you're a Christian and you went through a detour and you kind of lost track you just kind of got off board you just lost your way God's grace forgives aren't you glad God restores us back to himself and let me share this God will restore you to himself long before he'll ever restore you to the vision because you being connected to him is the only thing to get you to the vision so let's be reconnected with God let's reestablish our faith and say God whether I'm in a detour that's deep and wide or shallow whatever it is Lord I am with you I'm holding on to your righteous hand you said you'd never leave me you'd never forsake me God By your grace, I'm never going to leave you.